Hello out there and welcome to the GameCockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GameCockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan. Uh, we're back after a week off. Uh, Alan was traveling last week. I was going to try to do something by myself and it just didn't ever materialize. So, uh, but yeah, generally Wednesday or Thursday, uh, we are here to talk all the latest in South Carolina Gamecocks athletics and recruiting. Um, speaking of recruiting, I don't have a ton of stuff right now. We're coming off the dead period. Actually, literally today is the end of the dead period. Um, and it's spring break at the University of South Carolina. So there probably won't be any visitors on campus this weekend, even though there technically could be, because um, you don't generally want to bring them in when nothing's going on. Um, so I would expect to start seeing some of that ramp up next week. I do know of some visitors coming in April. I do know that they're setting up another big official visit weekend in June. Um, but I'll have all that information for you as we get a little bit closer to all of that stuff. Um, I'm going to have the weekly recruiting wrap up out probably tomorrow um, with the defensive prospects um that are the biggest targets for 2024 a lot of them you already know uh dylan stewart who's going to be one of the highest ranked prospects in the country um i did get some inside info that kind of already confirmed what we've been saying on gamecocksgroup.com on the insiders forum but that it really does feel like it's a georgia south carolina battle at the moment um but that they are both very much in it it's not like typically you know when you think of that especially with a georgia kid um it's it would sound like georgia has the inside track um but i put in a future cast for south carolina months ago and all the information i've gotten has just encouraged me that that's not a crazy thing to think could happen so um but we'll keep keep you updated on that on gamecocksgroup.com uh, as far as football goes uh we're getting into spring so tomorrow uh, Shane Beamer is doing his pre-spring practice uh, press conference as well as all of the new transfers. So Alan will be uh, at that. Give live updates on the Insiders Forum on GamecocksGroup.com if you want to follow along. Um, and anything interesting that comes out of that will obviously pass along to you. Um, and then spring practice starts on the 14th. Is that correct? Yep, correct. And then pro day, for those of you interested in draft stock and stuff, is the 13th. Right. Um, so we'll have all of those um, insights and stuff over the next couple of weeks. And then we're doing Big Gamecock Weekend once again for the spring game. Uh, April, is it 15th? 15th. Yeah, yeah April 15th. Uh, but there'll be a home baseball series. There'll be... Volleyball. It's actually not a home. I was surprised. It's home softball and some other stuff, but the baseball's in Vanderbilt that weekend, which was okay. surprised well, me when I saw that email. But yeah, my bad then. Um, but yeah, I did see that there's like volleyball and softball. There's a lot of stuff on campus that weekend. Yeah. And of course, there'll be the actual all day lead up to the spring game, um, which will be in prime time once again. So that'll be fun. I like that they did that last year. I, I thought that that was really a cool tradition that it seems like they're gonna try to keep going so second annual big gamecock weekend uh culminating in the spring football game on april 15th so mark your calendars there we don't have a full practice schedule yet we don't really know yet how much access we're going to get to those practices but obviously as soon as we do we'll get to as many as we can but the march calendar is kind of crazy um 
there's baseball going on. Uh, they, South Carolina has their first big test of the season, although the, we'll talk about it here in a minute. I think they got tested a little bit last weekend um, as they play a three-game series with Clemson this weekend. Of course, the Clemson series, uh, you play one in Columbia. That is Friday? That's Sunday. Sunday. Friday is Clemson. Saturday is Floor Field. Yep. Um, yep. In Greenville. So that should be a lot of fun. Clemson's really struggling right now. Um, they got swept by UCF last week, and then they lost their midweek last to night. To Upstate last yeah. night, USC Upstate, who South Carolina has a midweek next week. Yeah, so um, that'll be interesting because, I mean, South Carolina is still undefeated. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about baseball shortly, um, but I think it's a good litmus test for kind of both schools, like like it usually is in this early season matchup. Um, let's talk a little bit of basketball, and then we'll get back to baseball. So a lot has happened for the men's team since we last talked. I believe the last time we talked, we were kind of lamenting the end of – the gg jackson era yeah we were coming um i don't know if we were into or out of that lsu win yet but it was definitely before the alabama game which definitely we need to spend a little bit of time on that was it feels like a long time ago now but it really wasn't and then they went to tennessee over the weekend and starkville last night yeah so uh generally south Carolina has played much better on the road um they got a road win at ole miss and lsu again i can't remember exactly if we talked about those on the podcast or not. Um, but the LSU win is when uh, Gigi Jackson started to come back around. Uh, and that was somewhat by necessity um, because there were a couple of injuries in that game. So he ended up starting, even though, uh, like we had talked about on that podcast, there was some seeming attitude issues or, or whatever was going on with him coming off the bench. Um, but once he got back into that starting role, uh, and maybe we don't really know entirely what went on behind the scenes, although I do know you guys got to talk to him after the Alabama game. Or... We had, we didn't have him. Um, it was uh, Hayden and Michi, I think. Or no, Jacoby and me. Jacoby and Hayden. It wasn't Gigi. It was Jacoby because he had, he had those big shots late. Um, and I'm blanking on the second player. But we did not have him after Alabama. Uh, we did have Nate Oates. That was something. Um, there hasn't been any media availability for Gigi in the past couple of weeks. I don't think so. We had, a, we had Michi and Hayden after a practice. We had Josh Gray after and Jacoby Wright after a practice. Um, okay. I well, I thought so. I saw him. I thought I saw him on WLTX or whatever that, uh, station is, but maybe they had an exclusive thing. Um, anyway, uh, we, I did see someone talk to him, um, and he seemed, to uh, sort of just say that everything's, um, you know, swept under the rug, for lack of a better term. Uh, everything, the relationship with him and Lamont Paris seems to be working much better. Um, and I do remember in that LSU game, Gigi uh, Jackson, right before the half, this was kind of a nice little moment that kind of, to me at least, signaled that maybe things had gotten patched up. Gigi um, took a bad shot or something right before the half. I think he shot it like with five or six seconds left on the clock and he could have worked for a better shot, something like that. And um, as they were walking off the court, Lamont Paris kind of went and like tapped him on his head and uh, they kind of joked around about it and went off to the locker room. So um, it seemed like, you know, there was some light coaching. I don't, I, I, I don't fully know what has gone on behind the scenes. So I can't say if Paris has adjusted his approach with Gigi or Gigi has, 
warmed up to Paris's approach. Um, but either way, it seems like the relationship seems to be working a lot better. And obviously on the floor, it's been working very well, showcased mostly by um, his standout game against number two Alabama last week, which of course ended in an overtime loss at Colonial Life Arena. Yeah, and he played well again last night in another tight road loss at a, at a bubble team in Mississippi State. It, I guess my kind of question now with all of this is where does this go from here? Like, all right, that's in the past. He's played well three or so games in a row now, I guess, or I guess he didn't play well in Tennessee, but three out of the last four. Um, he's got one regular season game left on Saturday against Georgia. Then it's going to be one or maybe two SEC tournament games. I think most of us would agree it's not going to go any further than that. Um, so two or three games left in the season. And then where does it go from there? Kind of right. Like, is, is he coming back? Has things been patched up enough for that? Do you still think he played well enough down the stretch to try his hand at the NBA still, which is kind of what I expect. I still think he's a first round pick. Um, those questions are going to have to be answered soon, especially as we're pretty much down to the end of the season here with just one regular season game to go on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's he's pretty clearly still a first-round pick. The question is, is he a lottery pick? Is it worth it to come back to try to work your way into a lottery pick? I mean, that is more guaranteed money, but worst team, but maybe... A it's also another team. year of injury risk if he does that. You have right. another 25, 30 games. I mean, the thing is, I know everyone, every time we, you know, they show a broadcast, everyone talks about, hey, he left school a year early. Did you know he was 17? Now he's 18, obviously, but uh, in the early season... And it's true, though, like I do think he would benefit from one more year um, just because of the fact that he's a year behind, that there are, um, you know, freshmen that are 1920, depending on if they got held back you know, for a year to grow or like whatever, all those things um, that uh, he will be competing against in this year's NBA draft freshmen and sophomores and whatever else. Um so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's best for him. I do think if he comes back to school, um, there's a lot of argument to be made for him to stay in South Carolina. Um, this is some of the same things that we talked about with Jordan Birch, though, <laughs> where um, I think if you stay home, uh, continue to make those relationships, that way, no matter what happens in the pros, you have that community to kind of come back and lean on. Um Obviously, Jordan Bridge didn't care about that very much, but um, <laughs> we'll see if uh, if Gigi does, if he does decide to come back. But yeah, I think if you're a South Carolina basketball fan, there are some things to be encouraged by down the stretch, right? You started 1-11 in SEC play, but you've won two of the last six and really look competitive in five of them, um, just not Tennessee. Apparently, Tennessee has their number because they beat them by 40 both times this year. But um, otherwise, you've looked very competitive, including against number two, Alabama. Um, and you really saw the crowd get behind um, the team there. And it, it, it kind of felt like a glimpse of what, like, what could be yeah, absolutely. Uh, in South Carolina. Um, but yeah, if Gigi Jackson doesn't come back, you're basically starting over. Um, I do think Colin Murray Boyles, who will be coming in as a freshman, He's a four-star on Rivals now. They got in there early on him, and now he's really kind of elevated to the point that uh, he's a national-level recruit. Um, but I expect them to hold on to him. Uh, you've seen um, Zach Davis sort of develop into mm -hmm. a pretty good player uh, and one that fits uh, Lamont Paris' scheme pretty well. Um, you still got eligibility for Michi Johnson. 
Jacoby Wright's been a guy you've had on the floor in crunch time, and he's played well, especially the Alabama game. He really went off down the stretch. He almost hit a game winner, or he he's did hit imp- go ahead shot late. Yeah, he's been impressive to me in creating his own shot. Um, whereas, like, I think of him and like Chico Carter is kind of, or at the beginning of the year, I thought of them as kind of similar uh, players, but um, no shade on Chico. He's really good at hitting spot up threes if he can catch it off the pass and stuff. But I think Jacoby's done a little bit better job of kind of creating his own shot. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a decent core to build around. And then it really just depends on what you can get out of the transfer portal. And if you can get a one more year matured Gigi Jackson to come back. Because if you do, then I think there's an argument to be made that you have a little bit higher expectations heading into next year, maybe middle of the pack of the SEC. Maybe you're competing for a bubble spot, you know, all those sorts of things. But Gigi Jackson leaves. Any of those guys that we just mentioned transfer out. Um then you're kind of They're like portal. there's no way around it again. you need yeah. to add bodies to this they only have two players in this current recruiting class from correct Colin Mori Boyles and um Arden Conyers they're gonna have to add portal bodies there's no way around it they're they're gonna have to get an infusion of talent in here they're gonna get to start the portal on time this year I think that's something a lot of people missed last year with Lamont getting hired after the NCAA tournament or at least during it because Chattanooga was obviously in it so they didn't get they didn't get to start portaling when the portal opened like everyone else did or most other schools did. So that's going to be a plus and they're going to have to hit that hard. Yeah. And I, th- I think that that's going to be the true test. And that's really what one of the selling points for Lamont Paris when he came here was um, the, the team that he put together Chattanooga that made it to the tournament um, was con- comprised of a lot of transfers, but there's a difference between getting people to transfer down to Chattanooga and make that competitive in the so are they still the SoCon? SoCon yeah. Um versus get find comparable talent that's SEC level and SEC ready um and bring them in ready to go. But we did see uh Dennis Gates and Missouri do something pretty similar and they're right there in the in the mix or they were that's actually gonna be your blueprint. Them, but yeah. um that's gonna be your blueprint. I think ironic that they wanted to hire Dennis Gates, but that is going to be what you look at as another far as another sec team with a quick fix yeah and as far as immediate future who knows what's going to happen it seems like they're going to be either the 12 or 13 seed seems like they're probably going to play Ole miss um obviously they've split with Ole miss in the regular season so maybe it's a winnable game. game Ole miss and... you don't know where their head's going to be they just fired kermit davis you don't know where those kids are right now um you could expect to win that 12 13 game and then you'd get a five seed which is that Mizzou right now? I think they're in the five. That's a great question. I know. I think it's a three-way tie right now for the yeah, fifth. But if you win we'll, that 12, we'll, 13, we'll Sunday. Yeah. yeah. We'll know on Sunday. Yeah. You'll get a step up in class either way, and the season will likely end next Thursday if it doesn't end Wednesday. Yeah. Although they have shown at times, other than Tennessee, they can compete with pretty much anyone in the conference, but it'd be tough to string together several games in a row like that. Yeah, I think. it's Mizzou but, right now in the five seed. I think if you win a first round game, you're happy with the way that the season ended. Especially if you, uh, um, I do think kind of, this sounds weird. Getting a home SEC win Saturday is not nothing. They're 0-8 in those. You've got a very winnable Georgia team coming to, or Georgia game coming Saturday afternoon in Columbia. I know the women's tournament's going on and it's Clemson baseball weekend. And that's probably very far down the priority list for people this weekend. But that's something. Get a home SEC win, go to a tournament with a little momentum. And it's a winnable game Saturday afternoon. No, if you could somehow beat Georgia and beat Ole Miss, uh, that's what four of your last eight. Um, uh, to yes. me, we we talked back in the doldrums of 
that one and 11 stretch that, um, you know, what do they have to do to actually give you a little bit of hope going forward uh, that Lamont Paris was the right move? I, I think that that would be a solid yeah. thumbs up. I think they already have to some degree, but yeah, I think that would be even more. I know what most of us thought. And then it's about, can you get 11 on Saturday, get that home win um, and then go to the postseason setting and just see what happens with what should be a close to coin flip game next Wednesday in Nashville. Yeah. Um, the women, on the other hand, uh, obviously still number one in the country. Um, they won their senior night uh, the other night and then went to Tennessee to finish out their season and finished undefeated on the regular season. First time in school history. Yep. Huge 29 and 0. Um, and then they likely will play Friday. They will play Friday. They'll play either Missouri or Arkansas. That's the 8-9 game. That's tomorrow at noon. The winner of that will play South Carolina Friday at noon in Greenville. Yep. So if you are in the upstate or willing to travel to the upstate, um, I'm sure you can get in there. Um, If if things go according to plan, um, I think we pretty much have the schedule, which is they'd play noon, Friday, 4.30 Saturday, Saturday, and then the championship. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then... You get the double dip on Saturday of uh, baseball at Florida Field and then at one and then the women's basketball game at 430. So. I will be at both. Come say hi if you're there. Yeah, that's that's fun. Um, honestly, that's that's a pretty fun. You could walk to both if you really want. That's to. probably the plan. I'm probably going <laughs> to park at the well, walk over to baseball and maybe get a ride back because the basketball game would have already started. But we'll yeah. see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Um, it, I think. There's so many things this team does well, so many things they've won. You kind of forget there's a, still a little bit of stuff they haven't done. They lost last year in the SEC tournament. They got beat by a six seed in Kentucky on a buzzer beater in overtime in the championship game. And, you know, they can say that it doesn't matter. They can say that, you know, getting a loss out of the system was good before the tournament. They can, oh, we're not thinking about last year. Isaiah Cook was talking about that. But it is still a trophy. It's something they didn't win last year. It's the only thing they didn't win last year. Um, and I do think there is a part of this team that wants that. And I think they also kind of want to send a message because you you might get LSU again on Sunday in that title game. You might get Tennessee again on Sunday. Um, that semifinal could be Ole Miss. That's the four seed, and the Ole Miss just took them to overtime and probably their worst game of the regular season last week. You'll get an immediate chance to kind of, I don't want to say right that wrong because they still won, but sort of fix that. Um, yeah, it's postseason time. Uh, this is going to be an interesting weekend. The SEC is deep. It's fun. There's probably six or seven tournament teams in this conference that are going to be going at it in Greenville this weekend and looking forward to it. Yeah, I guess that was one of my questions. And you you named a couple of the teams there, but do you think anyone can realistically make them stumble before the Final Four? I think, yeah, once you get into the semis or the finals this weekend, um, there's a couple of teams that could potentially do it. Ole Miss, like you said, just played them very close. Um, obviously, LSU is still lurking, lurking out there. Um Anyone else in the SEC that you're really worried about? Honestly, I think they wouldn't play them until the championship game if they got there, so it's not a super likely. But if you're looking for a dark horse, Georgia has played them really tough twice now. Georgia went there on senior day and hung in. It was a 10-point final score. Georgia's won five of their last six. The one loss was South Carolina on senior day. They play well defensively. Like that's They're the seven seed, so they'd be lined up to actually play LSU in the quarterfinals if they win their first game. That's kind of my dark horse. I think this Georgia team's matched up well with South Carolina twice now. And if it would only happen on Sunday in a championship game, and by then Georgia would be on their fourth game in four days. You don't know about the legs. 
But just from a matchup perspective, Georgia is kind of the one off-board team that I think is giving South Carolina problems and could again. Yeah, and then most likely if as long as they take care of business in the SEC tournament, really as long as they don't get knocked out before the championship, they're most likely going to be the number one overall seed, yeah. um, which means that they will be in Greenville um, for the Sweet 16 if they – And they – yeah, they would not have to leave the state of South Carolina until the final four. Cause you get those first two games at CLA and those next two would be at the well. Yeah. And I'm looking at the current, uh, you know, ESPN bracketology or whatever. Um, and it's pretty hard to see anyone before. I don't know, even the, maybe, maybe the lead eight that could potentially make them, I haven't looked uh, at the last bracketology. Up. Who's so, who do they have as a two seed right. in that South Carolina region? Iowa, which yeah. Caitlin Clark. I mean, that's yeah. facing a guard who can score thirty or forty on their own and just take you out. That you yeah. also have Notre Dame as the three seed right now. Uh, if everything holds steady to this, um, so yeah, I mean, there's Oklahoma five seed. Maybe face them in the, the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. We'll have to see, but. Um, I still think if anyone's beating them at Stanford, they've got that right mix of they've matched up with them before. They've got a big game coach who's been been there a lot, obviously, and they played them in overtime to down to overtime earlier this year. And they've got the size. That's kind of the main thing. They're the only team I've seen this year play South Carolina that can actually kind of handle Boston and Cardoso in the paint. Um, so if, if it's anyone at Stanford, but Stanford's probably getting a one seed and probably going to be on the other side of the bracket. So you probably don't have to deal with that till the national title game. I mean, currently right now they have them playing each other in the final four. Uh, oh, so as they're like that one seed, that number four region, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So either way, until the final four, I think if anyone's beating them at Stanford, but I also wouldn't be surprised if nobody beat them. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it'll be fun, and we'll obviously have live updates on GamecockScoop.com for all of the action going on this weekend. It's going to be a little bit of a busy weekend, but uh, looking forward to it. And then... Yeah, the men's tournament will start mid next week um, after we get that selection on Sunday. Um, all right, let's talk a little baseball. So we finally had a test for South Carolina baseball. I mean, they're still undefeated at this point, um, but they haven't had to travel anywhere. Um, they really haven't placed, played anyone uh, that is expected to be a tournament team, although Penn – um, maybe could end up as a tournament. Yeah, team. I think they were second in the Ivy League last year for that auto bid, so they're feisty. Yeah, um, I believe they beat Texas A&M in a series. Last they did year take two too. out of three from A&M last year. That's an A&M team that ended up going to Omaha. So yeah, it's not nothing so, sweeping them. Definitely, um, but this was their very first baseball of the season. Um, Penn opened their season at South Carolina this past weekend. Um, and I thought that the most concerning thing, if you're a South Carolina fan that's been watching for the past several years, really been watching through the Kingston era, um, was there was some return of, I guess, home run or nothing, home run or strikeout uh, in the in the batting game, especially in some key spots. So I believe there were uh, the game that I covered on Sunday. There were 19 runners left in scoring position or something crazy like that. Um, and there were just there was at least four, maybe five bases loaded situations that pretty much didn't come out with anything. I think one of them uh, run walked home or something, but there were no 
timely hits in any of those situations. Um, and then if you look at Friday where they scored seven runs, it might look a little a little bit better, but really they exploded for five of those runs in the second inning on two hits. Um, if I'm not mistaken on yeah, that. And then, and then it, it went pretty cold again uh, after that. Yeah, so they scored five in the second uh, on Friday and then two more runs down the stretch. Um, and then, of course, they only scored one run on Saturday. On a homer, so, yeah. So they went from scoring – and, again, you weren't going to keep up this pace, right? But they went from averaging – uh, like 20 runs a game. I think they scored 80 runs in their first five games. So not quite 20 runs, but close um, to combining for just 13 runs this past weekend, which again, isn't like terrible. That's pretty normal. Um, but I do think if you went into the series expecting to completely overwhelm Penn, you had a couple that were um, a little bit closer and, and scarier than you're expecting. And in ways that, seem oddly familiar if you've been watching South Carolina baseball for the last three years. Yeah, I, I do. I think you make a good point about not keeping the pace up. You're never going to, I mean, they're playing UMass Lowell, um, I guess Winthrop Queens. Like you're never going to keep that up. And they did put up 11 yesterday in the midweek against North Carolina A&T. I think the, I wrote, I'm going to have some words about this later for Monty Lee today. The ability to draw walks, to stretch pitchers out is something this team has done a lot better I think that's important. They are fifth in the country in walks right now and second in hit by pitches, by the way. They're finding ways to get on base, uh, but it's got to come with big hits. We've seen kind of homer or nothing. They are leaving the country in homers right now. They've got 27, so that's three a game through nine games, but that's probably not sustainable. That's definitely not sustainable in SEC play. So they're going to have to find different ways to get big hits, whether it's scoring position, um, sack flies. You know, they had a couple of those yesterday in the midweek. Um, that's kind of where I lean just, the homer or nothing thing definitely is not sustainable in SEC play. And it might not even be this weekend against Clemson, which I know we're going to get into in a second, but that would be my concern. But also if you want a positive, they found different ways to win. They've won games by scoring 20. They won a one, nothing game Saturday. They had a comeback win on Sunday. It was what four to two pen at one point. Yeah. So that, that I, there are some encouraging things to take away, right? You were tested for the first time. Um, on well really on saturday and sunday right you got up yeah. to a 1-0 lead early on saturday but then you won a pitching battle um which you're gonna have to do at some point gotta say noah Holtz, who looks fantastic he's a guy who was drafted last year came back because he wanted to up that draft stock he talked about how he's put on a lot of weight he feels like he wanted to kind of make this his year he looks amazing through two starts and then, yeah, on Sunday, um, Penn took a 5-4 lead in the top of the eighth, and South Carolina immediately shut the door with back-to-back home runs in the bottom of the eighth. Again, that's that home run or strikeout sure. uh, thing, but um, they did, you know, gut it out when they needed to there. So I think that that's something that will uh, carry, you know, forward and, and be a good lesson for them. But um, another thing I think that they still are trying to figure out is who is their leadoff batter. Uh, over the weekend, uh, Talmadge Lecroy and Carson Hornig. And Will McGillis. Uh, oh, McGill- sorry, McGillis was yesterday in the midweek. Yeah. And how did he do yesterday? I'd, I'd well, he hit a leadoff homer, homer thing. And then I think he got on base one other time. He had a walk. Um, but May- Mark said after the game, someone asked him about that because that was three different leadoff hitters in three straight games. He liked the look of McGillis up there. It's kind of a speed guy, too. He's he's a threat to steal if he gets on. Um I think they're still playing with that, but it definitely sounds like they want to have that down by SEC play. Um, I'm interested to see who's leading off tomorrow. 
because um, obviously you've had yeah. three different ones the last three games. Yeah, so Hornig and or not tomorrow uh, Friday and Lee Croy combined for ten at bats and six strikeouts and zero hits this past weekend. Hornig um, had a pretty rough weekend after a good start. Yeah, which again, yeah, anyone can have a bad weekend. Maybe one of those guys still ends up being the leadoff guy uh, through SCD play, but they're definitely still still tinkering around with all of that. Um, but yeah, I I do think that they have shown signs of improvement, but I do think we also don't know a whole lot right That's now. That's kind of where I would put it too. My other, if you want one more like legitimate positive for why this team's definitely better. Um, we talked a lot about how this season's going to come one way or another on these transfer hitters, right? The offense has to get better. They brought in these transfers. All right, well, early returns on Gavin Cassis, good. I think he's got six homers now, hit another one Sunday to win that game. Early returns on Will McGillis, good. They bought him as a leadoff hitter. He hit a homer yesterday. Early returns on Caleb Denny, good. He's played every game. He's batting third. Looks good at both ends. Early returns on those transfer hitters, at least the ones who are playing every day, are good. And that's obviously going to have to be the case when SEC play starts. Yeah, uh, I, I I do think that some of the moves they made this, this offseason seem to be paying off. One thing that's been kind of interesting is uh, we haven't seen very much of Michael Braswell at all. He's come off the bench a little bit, but um, seems to be still in whatever funk he found himself in down the stretch uh, last season. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that shakes up at all. Um, and, and then, yeah, I saw that some people on our forums were complaining about the ranking, right? So they've been number 23 since the beginning of the season. They're undefeated when and they haven't moved at all, even though a team like Florida State went from unranked to like 16th or something like that um, in the same stretch. Um, I kind of agree with uh, the polls that I haven't moved them yet. I, I don't think we know anything. Um, and I think uh, if you're actually watching these games, which I don't know how much the pollsters are actually watching the games, um, some of the same things that they struggled with in SEC play last year are starting to show their head already. Um, and we'll have to see if that kind of shifts as the season goes on. I also saw another poll or media group or something um, picked them 10th in the SEC. Um, that we'll seems, see. I mean, it seems I, low, but also maybe. I, I think that's a little bit higher. low right yeah. now, kind of looking where else I've looked in the SEC. You know, I've seen Mississippi State struggled a lot early. Georgia struggled early. Kentucky and Missouri, you're, that's a t- those are teams you both expect to have more talent than. AM's wobble. They lost a series to Portland, I think, last weekend. Like, I do think South Carolina is probably better than that. But ultimately, that's what I said to someone else yesterday. Whatever ends up defining this season, it's not going to be this. They're either going to do better things in this, and you're going to remember the season for that, or they are going to be worse than this. And you're going to, and you're not going to care about early wins against Winthrop and Penn and Queens and UMass Lowell. So. And that starts this weekend. That's it's always a big series. It's always a barometer. You talked about it earlier. It's the it's usually this weekend every year, the Clemson series. And this is a wounded Clemson team that's lost four games in a row now. It's a team with a first-year coach and a lot of transition. And there's no reason South Carolina shouldn't honestly expect to win this series. I don't even think you should hope. I think you should expect to win this series. And if you don't, then actually that, that's kind of a problem. Yeah, um, I think it's okay to drop one yeah. somewhere. Uh, got to take yeah. two out of three this weekend yeah, is kind sure. of my feel. Um, and then you guys talked to Monty Lee today, who obviously uh, was fired by Clemson last year, uh, replaced by the new guy. Um, and he, did he 
you know, kind of keep things close to the vest or did he talk a little bit about uh, what the series might mean for him? Yeah, he mentioned a little bit. He actually brought up a comparison that when he started at Clemson, he was coming off time as the head coach at College of Charleston and Clemson played a series against College of Charleston that season. I don't know what year that was off the top of my head, but so he's been through this before is what he was saying that he draws on his experience. He said, it's weird that you're coaching against guys, you're seeing guys, you're hugging before the game with people you recruited, you were in their homes when they were in high school, all that stuff. But then once that, he said, it's weird before the game, but once that game starts, it's about South Carolina. It's about trying to do the best you can do for this team. Um, said he doesn't really know what kind of reception he's going to get. Um, someone did ask him that. I thought that was funny. And um, yeah, that's kind of just, he did call it the best rivalry in college baseball, though. I think greatest was what he used. So clearly this means a lot to him. I know this means a lot to the players, obviously the fans. Um, and they've lost this series, what, seven of the last eight years, South Carolina? I know they got swept last year. Yeah, it hasn't gone particularly well. Um, and that will look even worse. Again, we've talked, you know, throughout the offseason that uh, they went and got Monty Lee and got um, several Clemson transfers as well. Uh, so if you lose that series after all of that, it's like, well, it seems like the, the trade worked out for Clemson. After all that to a Clemson team that it's early, but doesn't look like a very good version of Clemson baseball, at right. least hasn't been so far. So we'll see that Friday night game on the road is always tough. You're getting an ace in someone else's ballpark. And then if you're South Carolina, even if you don't steal that one, you still feel pretty good going into Saturday at the neutral site with Noah Hall, who's been your best pitcher so far. And then, Definitely Sunday back at home with the way Clemson's depth looks. But if you can find a way to steal that Friday game, I think you really like where you are. Yeah. And uh, speaking of recep- reception or whatever, I do expect he might get booed a little bit on Friday, but that's the we'll see what happens. Uh, South Carolina booed Brad Scott uh, after firing him and then him taking a job at Clemson, too. So uh, that's nature of the beast. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, a little bit shorter show today, um, but I think we'll have a lot more spring football preview stuff next week, uh, which and then start talking about all the SEC tournament, NCAA tournament for the women um, and see how Clemson baseball. Yeah, how see how it goes see how, this weekend. See how baseball does in their first real test. Um, until then, check us out on GameCocksGroup.com. We have tons of stories about all the sports um, i'm gonna have a recruiting wrap-up posted tomorrow uh, for those of you that are interested in where recruiting stands right now um someone on the insiders forum the other day was kind of like who's the next <laughs> target because we got we got kind of in a line there of uh getting an announcement every week or so um there's not anyone that's currently on the books that's got an announcement date coming up but like i said the dead period's over now so i expect that'll start to ramp up again real soon and again if you look back to 2023 uh at this point in 2020 at this point in 2022 of the 2023 class um south carolina didn't have any commitments i think zabari sandy committed about halfway through march last year to make the first commitment so uh still ahead of schedule and um plenty more to come there but uh until next time this has been the gamecockscoop.com podcast and we'll see you later